0: Score, not counting spread he went 224 drop times kickers and stickers galore another full summer to grow some more big buck all summer long was a nervous wreck riding back roads with my rubber neck looking for signs he was still around and spending my money just a leasing ground for big buck That's Kevin Blake Weldon with his hit, Big Buck, and this is Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 142, Tag and Brag Revisited, David and Dean G. food plot, soil testing, clover, turnips, and creating tonnage. <laughs> Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level.
1: This is Chad Eubanks with Bomb Buster Outdoors. You're tuned into my favorite deer hunting podcast, Big Buck Registry. This is Michael Pitts with Realtree. I'm the inspiration for everything Michael Waddell has become. You're tuning in to the most mediocre podcast on iTunes, the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. Hi, this is Sean Lufthul with Heartland Hunter. Hey, this is Michael Huntucker with Heartland Hunter. And you're listening to my favorite podcast on iTunes, the Big, Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. podcast.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jay Scott. Thanks for tuning into the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. It's always a pleasure to have your ear for an hour, and uh, I'm sure you're eager to hear what we have to say today with uh, anywhere from the deer news to the guest of the day and the interview we've got set for you today. So what's happening in Ohio in the Big Buck
2: studios? Ah, man, a little sore tonight, Jay. I've been uh, working out, trying to get ready for turkey season, just really trying to get my body tuned back up and get a little healthier in life here. That's awesome, man! I, I,
0: your, your pythons are starting to kind of get ripped up. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm impressed
2: to say the least. <laughs> I've been working hard, man. Four months. Uh, you know, it's just the beginning. If I can, if I can do this for a year, I think that uh, I can, I can change my complete uh, look of my body. How about that? There you go. It's you know. That's take- my goal hammer and just keep after it
0: you've been, been a- after it four months and it's because of hunting just because you want to be able to keep pace with the demands that you yeah. put on yourself
2: yeah you know and, and uh, we got a good friend billy doll that's uh you know he's he's in a wheelchair and he's working out man it kind of inspired me to get off my dead butt and go do something myself gotcha man Oh, i've been working out too i've been uh
0: doing some body exercise i've been taking long walks kind of up and down the the spillway up and down the rocks, so it's you know I'm getting ready for that that little hill climbing adventure we're going to be on here not too long from now. So, but it just that's just the beginning. I need to do more of it. I need to do more excelled uh, training. Basically, is what it comes down to.
2: Yeah, I told myself uh, when this winter hit that I was no longer getting couch sores or being a couch potato. You ever had somebody tell you you got uh, couch sores? <laughs> I can't say I have. Um
0: <laughs> was that yeah, your wife?
2: Your wife saying that to you? No, 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 no. it's just a funny phrase that uh, you know, if you sit around and watch T V all winter long, your south your couch sores get festered out. So I didn't right. want to get any couch sores and be a couch potato this winter. And that was that was the whole thing. I just you know, previous winters I've kind of just laid low and done nothing. Yep. And um you know I, I i didn't want to do that this year and and once i started going to the gym man it just uh just something now that it's routine i'm going uh we're doing tuesday thursday sunday every week and it's you know it's a, you got to make time to do it and you got to force yourself to do it there's days you don't want to do it and you still need to go so that that's my whole thing and as long as i can keep myself motivated to go i'm going to keep going and and progressing and you know i'm showing gains and Getting stronger and you know I feel good. That that that's the whole focal point, I guess, is to feel a lot better, and it seems to be working so far. Right, All right, awesome, man. Very cool, very very cool.
0: So on our our quest to kind of revisit some of the people we've talked to over the last couple of years, um, we're staying with that theme today. We're going to be talking to David and Dean Giarrizzo from Tag and Brag in just a few minutes. And uh, we talked to them a couple of years ago, just kind of like we did the Heartland Bowhunter guys. Uh, we talked to them a couple of years ago. We brought that show back to see what they've been doing over the last couple of years. And I think it's always good to kind of rekindle some of the, the things they've been doing and listen to what they have to say. Because certainly you've been on several deer hunts if you're in the industry uh, over the last couple of years. And we want to just, you know they're always good on deer hunts, so we try to go get those deer hunts out of them and uh get them on the air here for everybody else to listen to.
2: So we're gonna visit with yeah, Tag and Bragg uh, in a little bit. Go ahead, sorry. It's amazing the the advancements that uh somebody makes in a couple of years, you know, just uh just talking with Tag and Bragg, you can tell that they're they're a little more serious now and, you know, they still like to cut up and have a good time. I mean that that's uh it's part of their their personality is, you know, have some fun and, and that's what kind of life's about is not be so serious all the time and, and break it up with some fun. But uh them guys are, are doing great things and uh what a great podcast we got coming on the show here today, Jay. Absolutely. Well before we get there, we should turn over the show to Jim Keller for the Deer News. Let's do it. The Deer News this week is sponsored by the Eurohanger. You don't have to spend big bucks to hang your big buck. Get yourself a Eurohanger. Facebook.com
3: forward slash Eurohanger. E-U-R-O-H-A-N-G-E-R. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Our first story this week, federal land ownership in question. Aside from all the other controversial topics in the presidential race, one issue all people who hunt and fish should understand are the varying candidates' beliefs around federal land ownership. The candidates vary in their beliefs as to whether the federal government should be allowed to own land or instead pass it back to state ownership. Some believe that federal land ownership just adds to big government and limits control of these assets by the states, and therefore the people. Rules for access to and public use of government land vary significantly from state to state, especially when comparing western states to eastern states. Some state laws are much more restrictive to public land use than federal laws. At the federal level, Park Service is falling behind $300 million annually, and the federal government has a backlog of $20 billion in costs. At the state level, taking over these responsibilities could be too much for state budgets and force the sale of lands and historic landmarks to private ownership. Federal management of these lands has historically been handled poorly, often due to an indecisive Congress, especially when it comes to timber and mining management and income potential. Some states have handled timber and mining management better than others. The state's inability to manage these resources can significantly impact a state's ability to hold these lands long-term. We suggest each listener fully research their candidate's position on federal land ownership, as it is not necessarily drawn down party lines. For additional information, please check out Fieldstream's website, outdoorhub.com, backcountryhunters.org, or our show notes for this episode on bigbuckregistry.com. QDMA provides recommended practices for hunters in CWD zones. This story comes from the Quality Deer Management Association website. Based on requests from its Michigan-based members, the newest state to discover a deer with CWD, the QDMA has developed guidelines for deer management in areas where CWD has been determined to exist. The guidelines are a compilation of information obtained through work with multiple organizations, including the CWD Alliance and the USGS National Wildlife Health Center. The guidelines include information around use of food plots in CWD zones, deer harvest considerations, and information about the safety of eating venison harvested in or near these areas. The recommended practices are also educational and useful to hunters in areas not affected by CWD. QDMA's Director of Outreach and Education, Kip Adams, stated, It's urgent that all hunters focus on preventing CWD from spreading into new areas. The recommended practices are broken down into four areas, herd management, habitat management, hunter management, and herd monitoring. The guidelines are free and can be downloaded from the QDMA's free download page on their website at qdma.com. New Hampshire, considering changes to hunting seasons and rules. New Hampshire's wildlife season rules are reviewed every two years and are subject to the state's rulemaking process. For 2016, reducing the number of moose permits, changes to deer seasons in some hunting units, and extending the fall turkey season are just a few of the changes being considered. Changes to non-resident bear hunting rules, pheasant season, fishing bag limits, and wildlife baiting are also on the list. Hearings are set for March 31st at Keene High School, April 4th in Concord, and April 5th in Lancaster. For addresses and times for these hearings, as well as a document describing the rule changes, please visit the New Hampshire Fish and Game website at www.wildlife.state.nh.us or check our show notes at bigbuckregistry.com. This story was originally reported by Paula Tracy on the WMUR ABC Channel 9 website. Staten Island Mayor considers deer population management options. This story comes to us from the Staten Island Live website. Staten Island Mayor Bill de Blasio hasn't ruled out hunting, poisoning, or otherwise killing deer as a way to manage the borough's out of control and expanding deer herd. The city is currently in the process of developing a deer management strategy. Lethal and non-lethal methods are being considered, including fencing, relocation, chemical pesticides, shooting, hunting, and birth control. A decision on this strategy is taking longer than expected, which is driving up the cost for taxpayers. The increasing deer population could harm parks, private property, spread tick-borne illnesses, and increase deadly deer vehicle accidents. The deer population has been studied multiple times, is estimated to be between 750 and 1,000 deer, is in the process of being studied one more time, which is further delaying any actions to manage the herd. There is currently no timeline for a decision. That concludes this week's edition of the Big Buck Registry's Deer News. If you have any ideas for future topics or have questions about any of these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the big buck registry this is jim keller with the deer news
0: thanks to jim keller for the deer news and without further ado here is tag and brag david and dean giarizzo david and dean welcome to the big buck registry's big buck deer hunting podcast what's happening my friends
1: not too much good to be back yeah Back. I feel like it's been a while. I know. I feel like we were young boys when we were last on the show.
0: Well, you were pretty young. I mean, you, well, you're not that you old now, but yeah, it seemed like, you know, where the hell have you guys been for the last year and a half? That's the that's kind of what I we just, were thinking. We're reaching out to all of our old friends.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's good to be back on the show. I'm, you guys are blowing up. I feel like we're talking to, like, the famous people within the industry right now. It feels kind of good. <laughs>
2: Uh, that's funny. I like to hear that,
0: you know? I so. like to hear that. I don't know if that's true or not, but I like to hear that. We try hard. It,
1: it is true. For sure it's true. I mean, when it's you got going. to get on this show for the last, since we were on last, yeah, we got a yeah. win book. We got to wait for Heartland Bowhunter and Taylor Drury. We're standing in line over here. We come in second and third every time. There,
0: there is quite a list, I have to say. You know, you, there is quite a, you know, it, it's, at one point we, we used to just try to, you know, so we were just begging people to come on. Now there's actually a line to get in, so we're kind of we're, we're okay with that.
1: That's a good thing. That's a good thing. a good
0: thing. Is I'm looking up your the actual show that you guys are on and trying to figure out exactly when that was. Let's see. I'm going to keep scrolling. Where are you guys right now?
1: We're uh, at our house in Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Gotcha. So in the
1: midst of a nice, nice rainy night here tonight.
0: A Rainy night in in Cleveland, Ohio. Man. Got it. And yeah, you were, you guys were on episode wow, I didn't realize it was that long ago. Episode fifty seven, back in July wow. J- July twenty sixth two thousand and fourteen.
1: Whoo! man, almost two years ago. Almost. We were young bucks. Yeah.
0: So you've <laughs> you guys have been been what have you been up to for the last two years? You've 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 blown up otherwise too. I mean, I now I go to the ATA show and you guys are everywhere. I see you on on the big screen, and you're. I just everybody's talking about you. So what what's happened since <laughs> the 2014 summer to today? Because back then we we were talking, and you were just trying to get some stuff off the ground. But things have happened for you. What's going on?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's been good. We're just grinding away, trying to find our place within this industry. I mean, we have a, a web show now on Tag and Brag TV, Tag and dot TV. Uh, we do a weekly episode. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy what that's blown up into and, you know, with our social media following and stuff like that, we just launched a new phone app called Mount on the iTunes network. That's all for hunters and fishermen. Um, so really, I mean, we're just trying to connect hunters and fishermen alike. That's really what our mission and goal has been since we started tag and brag. We've gone on a crazy roller coaster since we talked to you guys on here last um you know but we're finally kind of paving our way and 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 making a name for ourselves within the industry and it's it's been good yeah
0: it's been great yeah, I, you know and just looking from afar i think you're doing a good job getting your name out there and getting your product out there and i think what you're doing is really cool i mean there are you guys are a little younger than i am for sure and the <laughs> so you're tapping into a very important segment of the outdoor industry. The, the people that are watching you are probably a little younger than the folks watching the Shockies, for example, right? Like there's, there's a generational thing going on and you're, you guys are tapping into that younger crowd, I think, and some of the older crowd because of your skill set. But I think it's important to have the younger guys coming up through the ranks because you're going to be bringing these new hunters along with you. And, and keeping that, that tradition alive. Because if you don't do that, if you don't, like, if we just, if you guys didn't exist, the, the hunting as we know it today probably wouldn't exist like it is now 20 years from now. Because you have to get everybody involved. And I don't know if you realize what you're doing, but being able to do your your funny videos online is super important. Because you have to touch the crowd that's understanding the videos. My father is not going to be watching your videos, but my, my nephew <laughs> probably, my nephew probably is, right? Cause he's, he's, he's in that.
1: Yeah, no Go ahead. yeah we do. We just, we enjoy just, uh, I don't know. We just, we're really ourselves on our, on our videos. I mean, everyone will see that when they, they watch us, we just enjoy entertaining everybody and we kind of let loose and just and put it all on the line on, on our videos. And it's, it's fun. Cause yeah, that, that, Younger generation that is so important in the next stages of, of hunting really gravitates to that. You know, they see something new, something fresh, and they kind of have fun with it. Right. And, um, you know, it, it kind of inspires them and us and us to, to do the same. So, you know, they kind of get into it. A lot of people interact with us and, uh, you know, yeah, it is good. They, they just, um, they really gravitate to that, to that entertainment and us seeing us having fun with what we're doing. I think that's the biggest thing, enjoying the sport. Yeah. yeah, and we understand what it you know, we understand like you said, Jay, the the importance of passing this passion along, you know, the passion of hunting, you know, even fishing, but you know, for us is is really hunting and, and passing that along to the next generation. And like Dean said, we, we we wanna attract our audience based off of the people that we are, you know, our personalities. Exactly. And certainly we love right. to hunt and, and and but at the same time, you know, we like to have fun doing it and and we do we get a lot of interaction that way we get a lot of feedback from the younger generation on our social media and it keeps us going because it keeps new fresh ideas for videos and stuff like that in our head um, and, and it's cool it's it's been it's been fun to fun to be a part of the journey
0: it is cool that you i mean you you've, you're you're tapping into a pop culture type thing when you do like a, a mock up of a popular song and then somebody who's heard that song can relate to that, and and hopefully you know b- bring them into the hunting world if they haven't tried it before, or if they're you know if they were doing a little bit. Hopefully that's like, hey, these guys are cool. I can relate to these guys. They understand what I understand. They understand and like the things that I like. You know, by enjoying some some pop culture song that you used in your video. Um, so I think that is so incredibly important and you may not realize how important that is but to keep these things that we're doing alive for for a long time it's super super important to have people just be able to connect with what they're watching on these these mediums you know the, the youtubes the twitter facebook all that stuff where we're hanging out now that where to me growing up that didn't even exist i didn't even have the internet you know we just we still had we didn't have cell phones when I started. We had phones that were still tethered to a device that plugged into the wall. That was it. So, you know, to see the development there, but now to have somebody really actually reach out and, and use that, that stuff that people, all the other kids are calling second nature, that's so important.
1: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, our the way that we portray ourselves online or the way that we broadcast ourselves really – uh, majority online content and now with our phone app now you know we we see the importance of being able to you know watch us and other people mobily you know and you can watch all of our episodes right from your phone obviously you can jump on our phone app and stuff like that and that's that's a huge importance because people are on their phone all day every day you know looking for new content looking for something else to make them laugh or entertain themselves and um, you know, so that's really been a huge factor for us and, and the growth that we've had over the past couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's
0: great job. Keep keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep putting out that stuff that is, uh, that is that the younger crowd can relate to. I think it's just it's super super important to the the well being of the hunting industry. Period. So awesome. Keep keep doing that. You guys are from Ohio, but you hunt in New York and obviously yep. still hunt in in Ohio some. But let's talk about New York a little bit. You've been, I think, when I first talked to you, you were out. Uh, it was the middle of the summer, so you were working on some some food plots, I believe. Well, let's, let's talk more about food plots. See, and this is a great time of year to talk about that kind of thing because as the as the winter ends and as as spring begins, the first thing that's on my mind, and for I think lots of people who have farms to to cultivate uh, specifically for the game management land management for the deer herd is that you got to get ready for this stuff. Uh this is great to have Dusty on on this conversation because he is he's in the middle of the the farmland there. He understands this stuff like it's the back of his hand. So, what what are you guys doing right now to prepare for the fall deer season at your farm in New York? Well, it's
1: nice we actually uh we actually just got a, a new tractor. We've been using You know, neighbors and friends equipment the past couple of years, really teaching ourselves, um, you know, putting in these plots and improving them, making them bigger. Um, and up in New York, it's even here in Ohio, we're like literally in the snow belt and we usually have snow for the next month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Up in New York. So we're kind of lucky this year. It's been pretty mild. Um, but we are, um, we're going to be getting up there and really just starting to turn some of our, turn some of our plots. We got a couple that, Really, right now we're going to be putting in our clover and some of the clover that we kind of improve improve some of the clover that we put in in the in the fall. Um, that's that's our main thing. I mean, even if we get another snow here, um, some of our small plots. What we'll even do is just frost seed it. You can broadcast the seed right over it. and Even if it freezes again, you know those seeds will germinate and and hopefully get established before everything else does in the spring. Um, and and mainly outside of that, we. We plant mainly our fall food plots, so we're really just trying to keep our plots ready, I guess, for the fall that we usually plant up there, uh, end of July, beginning of August, mainly, you know, our turnips and brassica blends. Um, and it's, it's nice this year because most of our plots we did so well with last year, they're already gonna be, and, and having a tractor now this year, uh, readily available, they're already gonna be prepared throughout the, the, uh, summer and and spring for us last year we were spraying everything down our grass was real tall we had to brush hog it plow it all over um so this year we're gonna we're gonna be spending a lot of time just keeping you know keeping the dirt good um and and like i said keeping our clover plots good so there's food there all summer long and then when we're ready to put our our uh, turnips and stuff in late july or early uh, august we'll be ready to go yeah, Dean's more of the tractor guy. I don't I don't necessarily get to ride the tractor as often as he does. <laughs> He's the farmer of the group. So what I do right now is they give me the chainsaw and I just go buck wild in the woods. Um a lot of uh, what we do like with our tree stand locations and stuff t- this time of year is a great time to trim shooting lanes, you know, open stuff up a little bit so that you can shoot, especially now up in New York. Um you can use a rifle over the past couple of years that just changed so that you can use rifles now. So really now that you can see, you know, everything is kind of matted down still from the snow. There's no foliage on the trees or anything like that. So going in there with a the chainsaw and trimming out your shooting lanes so that when you do go back in, you know, mid to late summer, you have minimal lanes to trim. There's not like a bunch of stuff hanging in them. Um, and you can kind of see already what's, what's going on in there. So they give me the chainsaw. I normally break it three or four times while I'm cutting stuff down, but that's just, I'm, I'm aggressive. That's just how I am. We got to be careful with all of our equipment. It's got to be what we call David proof. <laughs> he passed <laughs> he the limits with, he tests the limits of everything we buy. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't see the point in doing it any other way.
2: <laughs> I can, I can, so kinda, our, I, I kind of get the, the understanding of why he's not on the tractor seat, really. Right.
1: Oh, exactly. <laughs> Let's yeah, give, especially a new one. I'm, a new one. I'm like, Dave, you're not touching this thing this summer.
2: Okay. got to no. at least
1: break this bad boy. Let's
0: not let Dave touch the expensive stuff if we're going to let him touch anything, right? No.
1: That, that's the? why they don't let me fly the they don't let me fly the drone anymore because after the se- second time I flew it, I <laughs> clipped the top of a tree and it came tumbling down. And the first time he flew it, he somehow like clipped through branches and, and recovered in the air and it didn't break. <laughs> and I almost yanked the controller from him on that one, but somehow I gave him a second chance and he he blasted a tree and we got soup. We got this thing super glued back together. Uh.
2: Favorite. All right, all right, Dean. What kind of tractor? Just uh, just to break it down a little bit and see what uh, a small food plot tractor. What kind of tractor did you pick up?
1: We just got a. We got a Mahindra dealer right in our uh, local town. And we looked around a little bit, but for us, it was it was affordable. It's just a a thirty eight horse uh, Mahindra. We got a, a front end loader on it, tiller, um, you know, and just a brush hog and, and a rake just to kind of manage some of the food plots we have um, yeah, currently. Yeah, I mean, like Dean said, we did over the past couple of years plowing and disking these plots, our existing plots right now are in pretty good condition to where we really only need a tiller, you know, to turn the dirt over. That's what we're going to be doing a couple of times throughout the spring and then just keeping it turned over throughout the summer when we can so that once it comes planting time at the end of the summer, you know, we're ready to go. Um And then the raking stuff just for, uh, you know, clearing some small clover plots and, and whatnot and obviously when i get on the tractor they put the brush hog on and i'll clear the path and make sure that we got some highways for the deer to walk through
2: <laughs> that's too good oh man <laughs> wild man on the tractor that's awesome. oh yeah I
1: it's, so- it's, it's kind of like an it's kind of like an on and off switch with me there's really no in between it's like if we're going for it let's do it
2: right it makes sense in, in some ways and you know there's other things that uh uh, not, nothing 's cheap anymore, and that, that that stuff costs, yeah. a lot. It costs a lot of money to purchase and maintain and I, I kind of seen where uh, dean 's a little bit uh, leery of you on the tractor seat, but that 's all right though so when, when you guys get into uh, <laughs> to your food plot uh, let 's talk a little bit about what you do in New York versus Ohio, uh, just so we could get a kind of a, a broader spectra of the, the the different areas so when you when you go into a food plot in New York. Do you pull a soil sample?
1: Oh yeah, we did. We actually um, last year we didn't just because we the, the previous two years um, we kind of got that somewhat nailed down. I probably will do it again this year just to see um, what's changed. But yeah, usually the thing is with New York, we're kind of our property's like on two ridges, and then we have actually our main plot is like in the valley below. So, yeah. and we got a lot of gravel actually on in our soil up there. Uh, which does make it tough because with a tiller, anything, we're running in the rocks all the time and the winter just brings them right up from the ground. It's crazy. We'll go through our plots after the, uh, after the spring thaw and they'll be literally like small boulders in the plot. Like where did these come from? But nice. they just kind of get pushed up and you got, you got to run through with the tractor and throw them in the loader and, and clear them out. But nice. yeah, we'll run around different corners of the plots, um, and take different samples, you know, and mix them together so we, so we got an even, you know, an even, uh, Soil sample for the one plot and we'll, we'll test them out and yeah they usually end up pretty different a couple of our plots up there that are in different areas um we're usually fertilizing pretty different especially if it's clover you know and, and uh turnips we're, we're usually putting a little bit different more heavy fertilizer on one than the other or whatever the soil may need
2: right how how is the the germination ohio versus new york does is there any difference in uh germination period from ohio to new york
1: yeah, I mean, it'll be, it's definitely a little bit, it's weird because we're only two hours away, honestly, from, uh, our camp up in New York from Ohio, but it is a couple, it almost seems like it's a couple weeks later up in New York than it is here in Ohio. Um, but it's just, it's, it's weird. You go up, you drive two hours and it's always, you know, it's always five to seven degrees colder up there. It's, yeah, the, the uh, we'll have, we'll have snow up there for two to three weeks longer than we will here. Um, it's just in, it's just in that weathered area for whatever reason. Watching the antler growth up in New York compared to Ohio here too. It's crazy how different is it is. I mean, it seems like it's like Dean said with the germination period. It's like two to three weeks behind up in New York as opposed to where we're at here in Ohio. You know, we're seeing these huge bucks, you know, mid June to July here in Ohio and, and we're like looking at the deer up in New York, like, why isn't anything growing up they here? They got kinds and they're just starting to form. And it's crazy. but by you know mid to end of August, you know they're they're fully grown and fully developed. It's it's but it's I don't know if it's the climate difference or or what if it's a little bit of a harsher winter up there or what it is. But it, it is you know there's a couple weeks difference in growth. I mean no matter what, whether it's food plots or the antler growth, it's yeah. kind of crazy.
2: Yeah. Right. So so you're saying that New York, you're probably taking away a few weeks of antler growth.
1: The bucks are not as, not as big up there. I mean, the, the, the state, the DEC and stuff like that and the, the regulations are completely different, which obviously makes a difference. The season's completely different up there. Um, I mean, here in Ohio, as a resident, you can only shoot one buck. As a non-resident in New York, we can shoot two. Um, so that makes a huge difference as well, difference as well. But, <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's, it is. We do see a huge difference.
2: Well, that's that's uh, super interesting that it's that much difference two hours away.
1: I know even the deer like like Dave was just saying. I mean, you'll get a a two to three year old deer up there. You know, buck. It you know it'll weigh dressed out anywhere from 125 to 140 pounds. Where here in Ohio, we'll shoot some deer that are 170, 180. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's just crazy. Even the, even the older bucks you'll get. It's it's real rare to to, to shoot a buck up there that's. Anywhere from, you know, the, the 170 to 180-pound range, out. They're, right. just not, they're just not as big. My dad's here last year in Ohio, opening day, September 26, dressed out at 215.
3: I mean, yeah. And they're at
1: their peak weight then. Right. But, right. They're at their peak weight at that point, or at least getting to their peak weight at that point. So it's a little bit different because the season starts later up there, but still, it's crazy.
2: Right. As far as uh, food plot seed, is is there... Are you seeing a difference in, in, in seed choices from Ohio to New York?
1: Um, I mean, we're, honestly, we're just starting to, to get into that. We actually, the, the last couple of years, honestly, we've stuck with clover and, and turnips. And actually, the, um, we sparked us doing clover up in, up in New York because our couple of clover plots here in Ohio just are unbelievable. Right. Um, but this year, we, we actually just, Got hooked up with uh, Horny seed this year, and we're gonna be we're gonna be experimenting doing a couple different uh, seed blends, which I'm actually pretty excited about trying a couple a couple new things out, which we haven't done yet. So
2: yeah, shout out to Doug Drop, <laughs> and, and uh, shout out to Jay for introducing you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, Dougie Fresh hooked it up. We're pretty excited.
2: Yeah, I'm pumped. That Dougie
1: Fresh, Ready to grow some big deer.
2: What do you got uh, planned for a New York food plot this year, seed-wise?
1: We're going to be doing a lot of turnips again. I mean, our goal this year, honestly, is to create tonnage. And what I mean by that is to create, you know, per food plot, we want to get the most out of each acre, 100 yards, whatever we have to plant. We want to create the most spoilage we can. I mean, I want these deer, like, literally walking through there, being able to eat, looking up. (laughs) I want to only see the tops of their ears when they're walking through these fields. No, but I mean, that's kind of our goal this year is really to create, you know, as much tonnage as possible. I mean, we don't have a ton of land up there that we plant. We realistically plant maybe a total of 10 acres. And I mean, that might be a stretch. We're going to try and expand on that this year, you know, but some of the places that we're expanding on are in the hardwoods and they're most likely going to be clover plots and stuff. But, the deer up there, especially late season when that snow hits, the turnips are just on fire. It's insane. I mean, we'll have 20 to 30 deer in a five acre food plot, which is, I mean, is unheard of up there, literally, you know, unheard of. So that's really when our food plots are maximized. I mean, they, they, they crush the turnips, the, the, uh, the foliage, the leaves of the turnips in early October and even, you know, through mid October once the rut hits you know, the food is kind of secondary to them, but then we really take advantage of the late season up there because of the harsh winters. And as soon as that snow hits, I mean, they're digging at those bulbs like crazy. It's, it's insane. And it's cool to watch, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see your hard work um, coming together and, and paying off for you. The other thing too, it just, it seems like we've tried some, some small plots of corn and even beans and stuff, and we're not up there all the time to monitor those, but, like, they would get wiped out right. before they could even do anything. And it just seems like the turnips grow the best up there. But the other thing is, too, our, our season up there is very short compared to most, and the turnips are just best. I mean, the deer will hit them throughout the whole season for us. You know, they'll, they'll hit the leaves and everything, you know, early season, and then, uh, like Dave was saying, the bulbs and the snow. The snow hits, but it's literally October first until mid-December, and we're done up there. And it's it's a six what is it a six week bow season yeah. and a four week rifle season. So mm-hmm. it's not like Ohio where you can plan on that mid to de- end of December and January food source. You know, like a like a standing corn or standing soybean. Um, yeah. You know, it's not worth it for us to put that stuff up there because one, our our plots are small, and two, the deer are hitting that stuff mainly like you know, when the snow hits after after the season up there.
2: Right. So uh, what what, are, what do you got planned seed-wise here in Ohio?
1: Well, like Dave said, we're working on, right now, we're, we're working on two leases we're trying to get. So we haven't started any, we haven't really started any plots yet, which we will if we can land a couple of these. Um, we have a couple that we're trying to get that are like 12, that have opportunities for 10 to 12-acre fields, which I would love to put. I definitely want to do turnips again in that if we could, but I definitely want to put in, um, some soybean if possible because you do have to have a decent amount of that because the deer will wipe them out clean. But I just, I just love that food source in the late season. The deer hit it so hard and it can be so effective, um, in, in the late season here in Ohio, which we spend a lot of time in the rut up in New York just because the season's so short. We honestly don't get a lot of rut time here in Ohio. So we spend a lot of time in the late season here. So it's, it would be nice to have uh, a food source like that
2: here. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. When you guys go in uh, to do your your planting, do you, do you guys do any no-till or, or are you all just uh, broadcast seeding? How, how are you planting?
1: All, all of our turnips and, and uh, clover is all broadcasted. Um, and then, you know, actually, now that we have a tractor, we got a couple plots kind of staked out that we want to put in this year. A couple of them are up on our... Ridges and, and actually timbered hardwood that we want to kind of clear out maybe a half an acre or or more or more if we can, which it's like I said, it's up in timber. So we're not going to be able to do any like heavy tilling. It's going to be kind of, um, you know, clearing out and, and raking as much as we can, maybe a little light tilling just to get some seed to soil contact. And, and those plots, at least for this year, will hopefully just be will be clover, but we're excited to try to get some of those in because they're a really good. Really good areas. Yeah, all of our turnips though are just broadcasted. I mean, we don't plant anything with a planter. Dean's got the, the ratio and the, uh, <laughs> spin down out of his little broadcasting bag that he has and he walks along and I, I mean, it, it does like we, you, we overseed it a little bit just because we are broadcasting it. Um, but if the soil, you know, if the, if the field's prepared, prepared right, you know, you're getting good soil to seed contact. Um, I mean, we've had some great success with just broadcasting at least the turnips anyway. Yeah, the seeds are so small with the with the uh, turnips. I mean, they if they hit the dirt and you get a decent rain after, they're they're going to go.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Are you uh, once you go out there and broadcast your seed? Do you do any follow up uh, with a, with a drag or anything to cover them?
1: Honestly, we haven't we haven't used a drag. I last year we did a little bit of a light disc, but honestly, I was broadcasting last year in a downpour and uh you know we kind of planned for it, but we were literally finishing everything up and it started raining so i just a lot of our a couple of our uh, turn up plots that we did like i said I'm, i was literally finishing up and it was a downpour so we kind of just let it go and it actually worked out really nice
2: gotcha okay yeah that makes sense yeah it just washed the seed right into the dirt and the soil so it just uh germinated on own without any cover-up good deal yeah jay, jay let's get into talking some hunting yeah let's let's talk some uh some deer
0: hunting and specifically let's talk about some deer hunts that you guys have gone on on over the last year or so um you had mentioned that you've been on a couple of interesting ones and i'd like to yeah. kind of go on a little hunt with you guys kind of put us on your shoulder and take us with you play-by-play play kind of thing what happened as it un, unraveled so yeah um, david uh, you, you want to go first or, or dean
1: no I'll, I'll i'll take it away uh um, this, is, this is my favorite part of the show, so I'll lead it off. Me too. <laughs> um,
0: Go for it. Where are we going?
1: Well, we're going to North Dakota. We, right. We've we been fortunate enough. I, I met a guy in Nashville three years ago, and after a couple drinks at the bar and just, you know, kind of talking to each other, explaining what we're both passionate about, he invited me up to hunt a soybean farm, and I kind of looked at him dumbfounded like, Joe, are you... Serious, because I will absolutely take you up on this. The cool thing about um, North Dakota is the season starts so early. It normally starts the last Friday in August. You know, so you get a chance at shooting a velvet whitetail, which is I think is on both of Dean and I's bucket list. But really, for us, it extends our season a month because we come back and we have like two two and a half weeks until opening day here in Ohio. Um, you know, so it's cool because, yeah, like I said, we, you extend the season a month. Um, this year was our third year going up there, and we were literally, my, one of my best friends was getting married in St. Louis. Uh, it was going to be the weekend. We were supposed to, go to North Dakota. Uh, we were literally going to drive to Missouri for his bachelor party and then drive up to North Dakota, and we weren't supposed to get there to North Dakota until like late on late late Labor Day evening, I think on Monday. And, um, I got horribly sick before, like literally the day before we were supposed to leave for the bachelor party. I'm talking like wiped out in bed, horribly sick for like two and a half days. And it held us back from going to this bachelor party. But Dean was finally getting so anxious. He's like, dude, you're done puking. Just, let's load up the car, get in the car, I'll drive, we're going, we need to get up there. Um, I had gone up two and a half weeks prior, I flew up by myself, I set up like five trail cameras, which we have not done previous to this. Um, So we had a little bit of information going into this hunt, which was, you know, which gave us a huge advantage, because we're only up there for, you know, seven to eight days, and we usually spend the first three or four of them scouting, Um, and, and we just get so anxious to hunt. It seems like by the end of it, at least for the past two years, you know, you get there and you're like, if we had a couple more days, we could make it happen. Well, we got up there and we started checking these trail cameras. Um, we got up there on Sunday, I think Sunday, midday or something. So we weren't supposed to be there for another day and a half. And we started checking these trail cameras and there was bucks everywhere. I mean, it was insane. There was a group, a bachelor group of four, all like from four and a half to two and a half or whatever, but all really nice bucks. I mean, a couple giants and just literally bucks everywhere. So Monday we got up, we set a stand and the stand that we set up, it was in the single tree. I mean, beans for miles, like you can literally see miles. And there's like one tree at the edge of this cattail slough and we put a stand up in it and we kind of argued back and forth because I just like sitting in the woods together. Like, I like I like, I like like my brother. I mean, what do you <laughs> what want me to say? Um, I, I, I enjoy hunting together. And Dean was like, he's like, dude, listen, man, you know, this is going to have to be a solo mission in this tree. It just is, you know, because we need to stay concealed. These deer are going to be coming from a long way away. We're going to easily see one person in this tree, let alone two people with camera equipment. So we argued back and forth, um, and finally he got his way and, you know, we, we set up one stand, went back, had lunch, and quite honestly, at this point it was Monday, it was Labor Day. Um, once again, not supposed to be in North Dakota yet. And we were arguing again back and forth. I didn't want to go in there and spook any of the deer that were coming in at night. I wanted to see where they were coming from first, just so we kind of had a game plan a little bit and could, uh, I don't know, just, yeah, I guess I had a, a little bit more of a game plan than just going in there blind. And Dean was like, just go sit in there. If the deer, co- you know, if they come in, then great, you're in there. If not, it's not like you're going to spook them out anyway. And there was a little high rise, probably like three quarters of a mile behind where we set up the tree stand that literally looked over the whole bean field and cattail sloughs. I mean, there's a bunch of little remote lakes. And sloughs within this bean field, and it literally looked over the whole area that we were going to be hunting. So he's like, I'll just go sit up on this hill and you go sit in the stand if something comes in, great. If not, whatever. It's not like we waste,
3: we're not going to waste
1: a hunt day while we're out here. So that's what we did. And literally 25 minutes before I turned around, and this buck, which Dean had already previously seen coming out of this cattail slough, was Walking the edge of these trees, which were behind me, in this on the edge of the beams and the cattail slew, literally coming on a string right to my tree. And it was one of the bigger 10 points of the group of four bucks that we had seen on trail camera. This deer literally came right to my tree 20, 20 yards. I mean, I drew, I got the whole thing on film. I smoked this deer, he ran probably. 60, 70 yards, I don't know. I, I could have seen him go down, but I was going so nuts at that point. I didn't—I wasn't even paying attention. Um, but my biggest buck to date, I think he's, he scored like mid-140s, uh, which didn't really matter to me, but it, it, it was what it was. Uh, I mean, we were going absolutely nuts and didn't know what to do with ourselves at that point. It was the first day that we were there. We weren't even supposed to be there yet. And we already had a ten point on the ground. He must—he literally had to have just shed his velvet, so he was hard horned at this point, and he was by himself. The other—the other three bucks were nowhere to be seen. Um, and so, I mean, we celebrated like crazy in the middle of the bean field uh, that night. Celebrated when we got back to the lodge, and you know, Dean goes into this North Dakota hunt, or He had gone into this North Dakota hunt for the past two years as a cameraman for me, which I'm very fortunate for. Um, but now we literally had seven days to stay there and try and shoot another one. So we, the next day we went and got a tag, and, and it was Dean's turn. And meanwhile, he watched this whole thing unfold from three-quarters of a mile away through a spotting scope, which was even more insane. <laughs> uh, I mean, the phone call that we had, that we, the phone call exchange that we had in the tree, we got both on film, which was pretty cool, because we'll put those together for our episode on Tag & Brag TV. Um, was I mean, was insane. That's it was awesome. Nuts, but <laughs> That's
0: nice, yeah, nice, it was nice. Oh, what a great very trip.
1: Lucky, for- yeah, lucky and fortunate to have right. that uh, opportunity. That's... And the trip wasn't over.
0: Yeah, that's just the beginning of the trip. That's the best part. So I don't know what happened yeah, on the rest of the story, but um, <laughs> Dean, where are we going?
1: Well, I guess we'll just continue it. off. that, uh, uh, this this actually turned out to be the only the only buck I shot this year. So we're going to stick with this one. All right. <laughs> no, yeah, we we had the option. I mean, Dave shot his buck, and we were like, all right, we got to either we got to figure out if we either just pack up and head home, you know, right. get this meat and everything home. Or, luckily, you know, the, the landowner and everything is, is great friends with everyone in, in the uh, in the town, and and they had a butcher there, and they, they held all the meat and everything for us in the freezer, so they were like, go get another tag, and, and keep hunting. Where I'm like, all right. <laughs> I, I didn't even, I went there to be a cameraman. I didn't even get the film, him shoot the deer, and now all of a sudden I'm hunting. <laughs> so, and, and meanwhile, like, I was up on this, high rise just to kind of scout we were both kind of going in the woods to scout and i could see you know 360 degrees around me i figured you know if we if i spot a buck somewhere working an area whether it's a mile away two miles away we'll be able to go set up on him maybe but luckily the one the one we were after came right to davis tree but you know I, we hunted throughout the week it, it honestly the deer movement kind of slowed down. I mean, we saw a couple small bucks. We had a lot of bucks on the trail cam. Everything was just middle of the night. It was right in the period where they were losing their velvet, so the bucks were just kind of getting a little funky. Like, some of them would disappear for two or three days on the camera. We wouldn't see them. Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden they'd show up, and, and their velvet would be gone, and it, they'd be hard-horned. It was it was weird. So, yeah, I mean, we just, just honestly were hunting uh, evenings only, really, scouting in the mornings, and Finally, it got later in the week, um, day six or seven, and it started to get hot. I mean, it was mid 80s, mm. and and it was just it was getting tough. We had a we had a couple different stands set up, um, which David was was able to be in the tree with me filming. Like I said, we saw a couple small bucks, and we were actually hunting. One of these giants had to be you know six seven year old buck that he was in in velvet all week, and he's he was an awesome buck, huge huge eight point with kickers. Coming off as G2s, but he just wouldn't. One day we had him on the camera right at last light, right at last light, and, and he just wouldn't show after that. Well, finally on the last day, these two other bucks that were with the one day with the one Dave shot um, were sporadically showing up on the camera near the stand that he shot his buck in. And the last day, I had my mindset: I'm going on the, I'm going into the stand completely opposite side of the farm and I want to go hunt this giant buck that we were getting pictures of even though he wasn't coming anywhere close to daylight and I kind of convinced Dave to go sit in the stand the first night well he kind of convinced me to try to stand across the road again where he shot his the last night so I'm like all right I go sit in there by myself again because like I said the same tree we're both not getting in there well David ended up sitting in the same spot I was up on the, up high up on the hill we were Pretty much in the we were in the exact opposite spots that we were with with Dave's hunt. I'm in the tree now, and it was it was awesome. Uh, I'm where the stand is. You're facing this huge lake. I mean, it's got to be a seven eight seven to ten acre lake, yeah. I maybe mean, easily. And that's the deer lay around these lakes. I mean, it's the only cover spots really out there. Everything else is just beams. Mm. And across this lake, three four hundred yards away, at probably a half an hour before what. Legal shooting light. I see both these bucks get up and start feeding. Kind of, they're just slowly feeding around the lake. And the one is a is a nice. He's a three to four year old eight point, 130 inch eight point, real, real heavy deer. And The other one is a ten point that's got ridiculous genes. But this deer is probably two and a half years old. Yeah. And I'm just. It, it felt like it felt like time was going by so so fast. Like it was getting dark so fast. But these deer were just. Taking forever. They were just slowly feeding, and I'm like, they're not gonna, they're not gonna feed to me by the time it gets dark. They're just not gonna, they're not gonna right, do it. Right. Finally, it got like I literally, I'm, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my watch, my phone. I'm like, I got 15 minutes. That's all I got. And, and plus, we got the camera. I'm like, it's the camera lights going. And for whatever reason, the, the first, the younger buck, kind of, he fed through a section of the beans, and then he just started steadily walking towards the section of beans that the stand, We were hunting in the stand. And I'm like, oh my god, this deer's coming, and he he gets to me in bow range, and I'm I'm looking up on the hill for the other buck, and he's nowhere to be found. Like I I can't see him anywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, but I can see him perfectly in the spotting. I don't know this, yeah, but Dave can see him. I can't. Also, well, I got this <laughs> right. at, at one point. I literally have this. And I literally have this ten point directly under my tree, and I'm like, I want to shoot you, but I'm not gonna <laughs> shoot you because I want you to be here next year. And I want this other buck to come. Well, finally, I see him pop over the hill, and he comes down. He, he feeds his way down, and for it felt like the last 10 minutes I had, this deer is at 15 yards just facing me, like literally can't do anything. He's facing me. And finally, he turned a little bit to give me a shot, and I let him have it, and he ran like 60 yards through the beans. I watched him go down. David watched him go down. <laughs> And it was it was nuts, yeah. I mean, we're going crazy. The other ten points standing there, like, what the heck just happened? Looking at him, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was it was absolutely nuts. Because I'm watching these deer, and I could see them. I know they're in bow range under his under the tree, same tree that I was sitting in. And I'm like, almost getting mad up on this hill. I'm like, why is he shooting? Why is he not shooting? <laughs> And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, both deer take off. I'm like, oh, he had to have shot. He had to have shot. And then the one got like wobbly, wobbly, and he just disappeared into the beans, like fell over. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He went down. He went down. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there like with my phone in my hand. I'm like, come on, dude. You got to you gotta call me. You got to call me right, now. Right. You got to call on. me. Go on. What's going on here? Come on. I mean, like, it's been like three minutes since he went down. Like, what could you be doing? Did he not go down? Like, did he just run over the hill? Like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. he. Co- I, I get the phone call, and he's going nuts. And I, I mean, it was a trip that I don't know if we're going to be able to top. It's just, I mean, all the circumstances that had to happen for it to go down that way. Like I said, we shouldn't have even been there when I shot my deer, and then the rest of the week, like like Dean said, it went cold. So had we been there late, you know, it, it, it would have gone cold on us. And, and then for Dean to cap it off with another buck on the last day, it was absolutely insane. It was insane. Ah. The out there has been, has been really rewarding. Well, at least this year has been really rewarding for us. Cause like Dave said, we went out there three, three years ago, knowing nothing. We didn't have, you know, we don't have a guide. I mean, the landowner generally told us, like, you know, kind of said, check these areas a little bit, but we were learning everything ourselves. The first year we were out there, I mean, we didn't get, within 200, 300 yards of a, of a shooter buck. And we only saw maybe one. And then last year, I'm sorry, two years ago when we went, um, we started seeing some better deer, but we still didn't get within bow range of anything. And we, you know, it's just been cool to kind of learn that farm and, and just learn the hunting out there because it's so different than the Midwest, so different. And, and finally be successful this year. It's been so rewarding because, you know, it, it, yeah, that's what, I don't know. That's just, as for us, that's a bow hunter's dream. Yeah. We like to do stuff ourselves. We like to learn the land, learn the deer, pursue and, the unknown, and and it's just cool because we go out there too. And the locals are like, "You're you're bow hunting deer? Why why are you bow hunting deer out here? Like, we <laughs> <people> like with <laughs> rifles out here." People ask us, "Is it really deer season?" They don't even know. But yeah, it's it's cool, i <laughs> it because it's tough to get in bow ranges out there. You can see for so long, and honestly, when you're out there, you look around and you're like, "There's no deer out here." I can see for twenty miles. I'd be able to see them all. Right. But it's, it's cool. It's a cool, different way of hunting and different, uh, different flavor than here in, uh, here in the Midwest.
0: Sounds like something that everybody should try. Who's a hunter at some point in their life, just to get that other perspective of what it's like to hunt in a different territory.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, there's so much emphasis and focus on the kill these days, you know, on the big buck and all that stuff. And, And I, you know, we manage the deer and we, you know, we, we want to shoot a mature deer. That's what we're out there for. But, you know, to experience like literally starting from a blank sheet of paper and learning a huge chunk of land, brand new territory. And in three years to kind of see where we've come and, you know, obviously we've put more and more effort into it. Like I said, I was out there two and a half weeks prior, which was a huge help and, and aid for us in in shooting that deer on the first night. We wouldn't have shot that deer on the first night had I not gone out there. But, you know, you just put so much more time and effort into it because you get hungrier year by year. And, and, you know, the times that you fail, you almost, you cherish more now because after you're successful, it was like, that's, that's kind of what made you successful. That's what made you get to that point. You know, it wasn't given to you, you completely earned it. And it's, you know, so rewarding. It's, I mean, it's inexplainable, the feeling. I still, just talking about it right now, I have goosebumps because it was just awesome. The first year we were out there, we came home almost questioning, should we go back? Or should we have even gone? (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's crazy,
0: man. Awesome. Great deer hunt stories. That's uh, really detailed and just, I, I can feel the energy. actually love the energy. Yeah, i getting excited listening to the, as this thing unravels. Is he going to get the kill or not? Oh man, that was good. Good stuff. So what What can, and I assume both of these hunts will be on this season of Tag and Brag TV. And what, what else can we expect from, from you guys this coming season?
1: Well, I mean, we had our best season yet. Um, my dad shot his biggest buck with a bow ever nice. on opening day of Ohio season. Both Dean and I in this blind. Um, once again, this deer kind of caught us off guard. Um, and I mean, was the first deer we saw of the Ohio season. Dean and my dad didn't want to be really even want to be in there. We actually, we were supposed to be up in New York pulling boats out of, out of the lake. Um, you know, in preparation for the winter. And I'm like, you guys, we got to sit. At least for the first hour of opening day. Like, how can we not go in the woods opening day? And so I drug him into the woods and the 815 came around and this buck, I mean, number one buck that we had on, uh, right by my dad's house actually, um, on our trail cameras and stuff throughout the summer back there just came strolling in. And, I mean, it was, it was meant to be. For some reason, it was, it was meant to be. So, I mean, we have that. Um, I shot, uh, I shot a, a really nice eight point up in New York in the middle of the rut after 10 days of hunting um, and really uh, kind of a slow run up there. My dad got another nice buck up in New York um, during the middle of a rut. And then we had a really crazy hunt uh, off of, uh, out of a, a redneck blind up there in rifle season. This buck that we were hunting that we nicknamed uh, Don Henley. It was this 10-point. <laughs> I, I have no idea how he got that nickname still to this day. Dean and I saw this deer. Four times between eight o'clock and twelve thirty in the afternoon, with a rifle in our hand, and Dean was the hunter, I was the cameraman, and could not get a shot off at this thing. It was it was absolutely insane. I safety off. I think eight times. I mean we were wow. we were swearing at each other we were swearing at each other in this blind. Like I'm like why you rip a shot off at this thing already like he's he's taunting us at this point. He's like wait, well, you didn't have my camera I mean we're going back and forth so that was a crazy hunt. Uh, uh that'll, that'll certainly be an entertaining one. One of the non kills that'll be entertaining for sure. The nice thing is that we're we're hunting uh, the redneck we were overlooking—it's a thick bottom. So this buck was just—he kept cruising through there, and I just—you know—he never came out into like a plotting. So we would see flashes of him, and he, we literally had split seconds to try to pull a shot off, and it just never could get the camera. The deer stopped and the gun on it at the same time. But the cool thing is—is is we're kind of building a story with the deer. He's very local to our our farm up there, and and. I think he's only a three year old. He's got a ton of potential. David actually found one of his sheds, uh, last weekend. Yeah. We're going to go up and try to, try to find the other one, but he's got a lot of potential to really blow up this year. Um, so we're looking forward to watching them. Hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll seal the deal with him next yeah. year and, and we'll be happy that, Happier. that one of the eight times I had the safety off, I didn't rip a shot at him. <laughs> Cause if it was me with the gun, I would have ripped a oh, shot at him. Thank, thank God I had the gun. Cause, like David is aggressive with our equipment. He's aggressive with his trigger finger. And <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have lead slung at him for sure. I'm a very, I, I'm a very ethical hunter, but I do seize my opportunities.
2: That's awesome. Oh
0: man. All right guys. So we're, I've got 10 rapid fire questions for, for each of you. And Love it. I want to, and I didn't, I didn't prep you on this cause I, I think they're better off the cuff. So let's, uh, Let's start off with, with David, um, and we'll. I'd like to hear your answer on uh, each person answer the same question and see, okay. see, see how they are. But um, I'll alternate them so that the guy that gets to think about it a little bit more uh, can't on the next question, just to keep it fair between <laughs> you two. All right. So um, of all the hunting tips that are out there, and you've heard millions over your lifetime, what's the number one hunting tip uh, of all time for you?
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Got to pick one.
1: You can't kill him on the co- you can't kill him on the couch. I'm I'm a, I'm an advocate of that. And sometimes, like Dean said, I'm a little too aggressive. But I just I I especially in the rut, you got to be in there. You got to be in the woods. You can't kill him on the couch. Yep, I love that one. Excellent. All right, <laughs> Dean. See, this is funny because I'm going to go with almost the opposite here.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> David's an aggressive guy, what's during the rut, I, I, I agree with 100%, but my number one tip is, if, don't spend all your time on a buck that is literally only nocturnal, like you're getting them on camera between 12 and 2. A lot of people like to do that, you know, even if, if it's a giant deer, it's hard not to go hunt that buck, but, you know, if you got another nice buck that's coming close to daylight or you're getting them on trail camera, I like to just you got more of an opportunity to hunt the buck that that you're seeing in daylight. If they're if they're moving in daylight, you're going to get an opportunity at them. At least that's where the chances are. So that's I guess that would be my tip: hunt, hunt the daylight bucks, the huntable bucks. The huntable bucks.
0: Good point. Yep. They're both, all
1: huntable both
0: very good points. Yep. All right. Moving on to question number two. We all have these things that we probably consider good luck charms. Things that we have to have with us at all times while we're hunting. Even if they're not really part of the hunt. Uh, we feel naked without them. It drives us insane if we leave in the truck and we're just not going to feel like... Or we feel like we're not going to get that opportunity that night or or morning. What's that one thing for you if you leave it in the truck that drives you insane?
1: Oh, man. Um, it's It's probably honestly, this is, this is stupid. You wouldn't even know, but it's an undershirt I wear. It's just this black undershirt. Mm-hmm. And I literally wear it like under my under armor, like under my base layers. But I don't know why every time I go in the woods, I have this damn black under this black undershirt on. And whenever I'm going out in the woods, I gotta make sure it's, I, I got to wash scent free. And for whatever reason I have other shirts to put on, but that's just the one that's it goes on. That's I don't it. know why. Lucky it doesn't sh- work. It lucky definitely, shirt. Doesn't, definitely doesn't work. It, it, doesn't, it work. doesn't
0: work. It doesn't work. That's the, the greatest part about that. That's the it. Shirt. The lucky shirt that doesn't work. <laughs> that's the
1: best part about the shirt. <laughs> Wears it every time, never works. Try <laughs> <laughs> to change I, that up
2: with you. What about them five-day hunt? you guys will go on without no washers or anything? I bet that thing, you better watch the smell on that, dude.
1: Oh, that thing's getting rank on those days. Oh, like out in North Dakota and stuff. Like when it's eighty degrees, well it's, it's tough out there. Anyway, we honestly we got to be very prepared because we don't have a washer and dryer. Right, we're always hanging our stuff up. Like as soon as we get out, get it in the sun, get it hung up. I mean, that's like cook it, gonna, cook it, yeah, <laughs> cook the that's stuff the only out thing of it. You <laughs> could do that. At least help yourself out. But best thing you do is just hunt the wind. I don't care how bad you smell. If you hunt the wind, you should be good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right on. Gotcha. All right. Very good.
0: Uh, let's see. Was that Dean's answer or David's answer?
1: That was was Dean's.
0: Dean's. All right. David, what do you got?
1: Well, some people say that I was born with war paint on. So if I'm in the woods and I get into the stand and my face is not painted up, I'm freaking out. I just got to have the war paint on. I feel like a Wheaton warbird with that stuff on, like I could kill anything. Like I'm part of the woods. Like I'm a native American and I just, I love it. I, I gotta have it. Gotta have it. All right.
0: That's a good one. Okay. Um, growing up or even today, uh, we all have these favorite hunting books that we often turn to for inspiration or just cause they're entertaining. Maybe we share them or, or gift them out to our friends that we think kind of would would appreciate it. What's that one book or, or magazine subscription that you guys turn to uh for that kind of thing
1: um I mean my favorite magazine is probably like bow and arrow bow and arrow or deer and deer hunting um I mean there's a lot of good just quality information articles in there, so that would probably be mine i'm Book reading, I'm more of like kind of like a motivational guy. I read a lot of business books and like motivational type books and stuff like that. I'm not, I, I don't, never really got into like the the hunting books. I probably should, right. probably should. Right. But, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would have to uh, agree. I think bull. I think it's Bull Hunting Life is the magazine. Like they got, they always got like great articles, like you know the top five things to do. In the preseason, they're like you know, the top ten things to do. I, I usually like those articles because there's always like one or two things that you can really pull out of those that that uh, kind of stick with you and, and you can use. But yeah, I am Dave, and I are kind of same with that. We read a lot of uh, inspirational, kind of motivational books just to kind of fuel us and and uh, and what we're doing.
0: Nice. All right, very good. And let's see, moving right along. Let's let's go with. How old are you guys now?
1: Dean's twenty six. David's twenty eight. Okay. Whew.
0: All right. So, looking back on the last, say, ten years, go back to sixteen and eighteen, whatever the ten years ago is. Knowing what you know yeah. today, what would you tell the the teenage self? Oh, yeah,
1: In regard,
0: oh man. Yeah, it's tough question. Well, but you read all those other books about success, so you, you you must have a good answer for this.
1: Okay, so this doesn't have to pertain to hunting.
0: Correct. It could, um, but not necessarily.
1: My, I uh, would the biggest thing I would have is just honestly stay positive because the shit you're stressed out about and worried about when you're 16 or at least during that year, you're not going to be the next year. You're not going to be when you're 26, 28. So, and, and you really can't go where you want to go or get things done, you know, if you're not, if you don't stay positive and, and believe in what you're doing, so. That that would be my biggest thing to tell my sixteen year old study self you know what i would i would i mean similar to that, I would say be a sponge to learning, you know like I, we as we grow up, at least you know for Dean and I, we figure out how much we don't really know, like the more we know, I should say, we figure out how much more we don't know um so starting that kind of learning curve and like seeking, you know, seeking information, you know, for ourselves, whether it be food plots or whether it be, you know, f- filming your hunts and, and, you know, really just kind of immersing ourselves in what we wanted to do back then more. Um, I would say is probably what I would have told myself then, like, just go for it. Like, let it go and just, you know, go for what you're passionate about. Go for what you're dreaming about. Cause when we were younger, it was kind of like bopping around, like, should we try this? Should we not? We want to be a part of this industry, but we didn't really, like, fully immerse ourselves until we were, you know, in college or even after college. Um, you know, so it would have been to kind of get get involved more um, at a young age and really not not to be afraid of failure. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. Don't be afraid to fail because it's going to happen. It happens yeah. now probably more than it did then. Um and and you learn more, you know, from your failures than you do from anything else. Anyway, so that would be mine. Don't be afraid to fail.
0: Nice. All right. Very good. All right, David. Let's uh, let's say we we are at a uh, you're at a hunting hunting convention somewhere in the country, and you're in the hotel, and you step into the elevator. A stranger steps in next to you and strikes up a conversation. And he and they ask, "What do you do for a living?" What do you tell him? <laughs>
1: I hunt. No, no, I, I tell them, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I, I live the dream. I don't make a lot of money, but I, I do what I love for a living. Um, I hunt, we have our own production business, video production business as well. Um, we're trying to create different things through technology to connect hunters and fishermen within this industry that really pertain to the younger generation, um, and getting them more involved because they are the future of this sport, there's the future consumers of this industry, um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's probably what I would tell. Yeah, <laughs> not a good
3: one. In a nutshell.
1: uh I'm trying to think how to say that differently. Same
0: thing. if it's the same, same thing. <laughs> well, that,
1: yeah, no. On top of that, it's just we we inspire and entertain people through through our videography, you know, through doing what we love. And that's, and that's film and hunts. Um, and you know, like I said, we just, we like to show our passion for doing something and influencing people that not even to do the same thing with hunting, but just to be passionate about or to, to be passionate about something and, and, and follow what they are passionate about. You know, that's, that's our biggest thing is, is, uh, is, is do what you love.
0: Very nice. Excellent. Uh, D- David, what did you have for breakfast this morning?
1: I had uh, two eggs over easy and a couple pieces of toasted bread with some cheese in the middle. <laughs> it was pretty bomb.
0: That sounds pretty yeah, delicious. Did. All right, Dean, D- what would you have for yeah, breakfast?
1: Well, we... We uh, cook breakfast together, so, I, so you had the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> you
0: had the same thing.
1: All right. <laughs> People are going to make fun of us. today. Right? <laughs> you got to be efficient sometimes. Exactly. But, you know, working together is like, hey, oh, it's right. time to cook breakfast. So. Uh, did you, you got to be efficient? And you got to eat breakfast. Is the most important meal of the day. You got to eat. Fun. You got to As hard as it is, as long as you do you it together. To.
0: As long as you do it together. That's
2: right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it together. Yeah.
0: Now, who did the cooking, or did you share in the 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 task?
1: No, we actually both cooked our own, our own, our <laughs> own, our own of the same breakfast. <laughs> 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 that's, that's funny. Oh, that's funny.
0: Oh wow, had yeah, the same thing <laughs> to Another- eat. If you cooked your own breakfast, that's that's funny. <laughs>
1: There's not enough room on the skillet for four pieces of right. bread and eggs. So right. I'm just like, you know, Dave, when you're done, just leave it all out, you know, and I'm going to I'm gonna fry it
0: <laughs> <my laughs> <mom> up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm going
1: to do the same thing because that looks pretty good. <laughs>
0: Very nice. Okay, Dean, you get your own billboard. It's blank canvas. You can put anything in the world on it that you want to put on it. What does it
1: say? Oh, man. <laughs> that is just awful. On the fly. Dude, you'd you'd put your face on it for sure. I'd probably put <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably No doubt His face would, it would be on me in, like a suit with some shade like some nice pair of shades on, and then it would probably just say tag and brag TV do it. All right. All right.
0: I like it. David, what would you put?
1: <laughs> um, I'm gonna put I'm gonna slap our, our new uh phone app logo on there and it's just gonna say mount everything. Yeah, nice. Love it. With a link. Click it somehow. Right.
0: <laughs> touch it, touch it. Nice, big. Uh, what do they call those? Those big square dots these days? The uh, QC, QR code. Oh, the big Q- big QR. Yeah, code. the
1: QR code. Right. Exactly. Giant. One. If you could hold your phone up to that thing, just like driving down the freeway,
0: right? Right. That would be excellent. It's right. right on there, David. Who, David? If I say the word successful to you, who's the first person that pops in your into your head and why?
1: Uh, probably my dad, just because he's a, he's an entrepreneur himself. He, we've had a family business or he's been in a family business for three generations and kind of broke off that completely started his own new thing in the auto body industry, which was the, which was what our family business was in. But now he has, um, six stores throughout the country. Um, he's got a patent, like two different patents within his floor plan. And it's just watching his business grow, um, and And him taking a risk and kind of breaking away from the family business and starting his own thing i mean it's just that that drives me in itself you know and and says that you know myself and and dean can do it too um you know be a part of i mean he 's completely changing the auto body industry which is is crazy um and it 's it 's cool to watch it 's it's uh it 's very motivating awesome. i 'm lucky we're we 're lucky you know, to have a to have a role model like that for sure.
0: So, did you both have the same would, answers? Uh,
1: well, yeah, I would. But on top of that, too, I, w- I would say my grandpa, too, because he's just, he's been a, um, ran a bit, ran the family business, you know, his whole life, too. He's been, he's been an entrepreneur. And I would just say he's successful because he loves what he does so much. He's, he's still working today. He will not stop. He's 78 years old. 78 years old. He will not stop, like, literally when the sun comes up in the morning and he's, he's coming home at night and he will not stop and he just he forms relationships with people so well and I think that's just why he's successful because he's so happy doing what he's doing and working right. that's, he's just you can't that's take that's written all over him. yeah you can't take it away from him he's he's, he's truly doing what he loves yeah right. it's crazy right. you wouldn't think you know and out from an outsider's perspective you wouldn't think that because he's still working so hard and you know you still kind of see him stressed out in certain situations but I mean, he's the ultimate provider for our our whole family. It's, it's just it's insane. He's wow. not. He doesn't have to be doing. No, and he doesn't have to be doing what he's doing either. He just, That's, wants, to he just wants to be.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. All right. What's uh, David? Let's start with you on this one. What's a typical non-hunting day in the life look like for you? Like from when you get up to when you
1: go to bed. Wow. Um. Man. Non-hunting day. So this is kind of like a weekend. Um. Get up. Have some coffee. Have a little breakfast, hang out. I got um, I got a uh, chocolate lab. I got a black lab, Great Dane mix. So I like to go outside and have a little bit of fun with him. Um, I mean, I'm a, I I love being outside, walking in the woods, whatever. Now I'm actually coaching high school baseball for my Mm -hmm. old high school team. Um, so that's kind of that's taking up a lot of time this spring. We're just getting into. You know, hardcore practices right now and games and stuff like that. So there'd probably be a little bit of that. I'm a big advocate of, of working out and staying, trying to stay as healthy as I can. I, if I need to get a workout in for kind of that release. Um, I got a very competitive mindset. So whether it be playing basketball, lifting weights, just, you know, running on the treadmill or biking, whatever, um, I got to get that release in on a daily basis for sure. You know, a nice dinner, maybe with a, Beautiful female would be would be very nice, and then uh, maybe go out with some friends at night. Sounds like a good day.
0: Cool. All right, Dean. What's your day look like?
1: I uh, will just we'll go with a uh, like a work day yeah. kind of thing. But I'm I'm similar. Getting up, uh, gotta have the coffee in the morning. Jumpstart the day. Breakfast too, best best meal of the day. But um, yeah, usually you know, Dave and I start our day from. the we we're doing different stuff literally every day, but. We usually spend, I mean, literally probably four hours editing some sort of video, whether it's for um, Tag and Brand TV, a sponsor, something for us personally, um, or or for another production company that we're doing. We we do some production work outside of the hunting industry um, as well. Um, So we usually spend between three to four hours a day doing that. Usually that's usually it's in the morning, first half of the day, and then um, we're we always seem to be on the phone or writing about 10 to 20 emails a day so that usually honestly always takes up a couple hours after a, after a lunch break um and then if we can we'll we'll go do something for tag and bright tv film um whatever we're whatever we're doing that day if it's if it's just an interview for tag and bright tv if it's uh going to check a trail camera or, or whatever it is um to get some of our, our footage in and then yeah usually usually the mid-afternoons the evenings um definitely going to get a, a workout in my myself um like like they've got to got to release uh some of the energy it's not easy honestly sitting in front of a computer for you know for four hours a day editing you kind of lose your mind a little bit uh um, <laughs> so i i love playing basketball i try to do that honestly a couple times a week i'm i'm lucky enough i got um i got a group of you know friends and stuff we my 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 buddy's actually an ad at our local high school, so we we usually get a group of guys playing basketball a couple times a week. I love doing that, and then it's usually just, uh, yeah, getting dinner and and relaxing that night to get the get the day started. Dave and I usually, you know, spend a half an hour at night planning our next day and uh and maybe watching the watching the Cavs game that night. We love doing that if they're on, gotcha. and then uh going to bed. Nice.
0: All right, so let's change the, up the question just a little bit. What's a deer hunting day in the life look like for you, Dave? Let's start with you
1: <laughs> hilarious um, so i mean i'm I love hunting in the mornings, especially once the rut comes around, so up early, getting the coffee in i mean when when it's deer season in the morning, I am fired up, like even if i'm dead beat tired, I am in the house i'm singing, i'm making every i'm pissing everybody off, just annoying everyone. Dean's usually still sleeping at this point. I'm definitely still sleeping. <laughs> um, so literally, like I do a lot of getting like the camera equipment, getting any miscellaneous equipment ready because we just, I mean, we know how each other works. Like Dean, Dean likes to sleep. He'll suck that sleep dry <laughs> till the last minute that he can. So even if, I, even if I'm not the cameraman, more likely than not, I'm getting the camera gear ready packed up ready to go maybe making a sandwich or a snack getting a couple waters or something ready um because you know we i mean we if we're going in the woods especially with camera equipment you know we we oftentimes sit it out for a better part of the morning and stuff um you know i mean in the early season we don't hunt mornings a lot so it'll just be afternoons but a rough day i i, I like to stay in all day i just how i am I like like i said before, you know, you can't kill them on the couch, you know, so being inside just kind of drives me stir crazy. So a lot of times we'll be sitting from daylight to dark, you know, in the stand, maybe we move, you know, maybe we move stands, you know, midday or something like that if we're not seeing something. Um, But then we usually get back to the house after the hunt. If we haven't killed anything, you know, we'll, we'll cook some dinner. We may have a beer or two, um, and, and yeah, maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll have a beer or two, maybe a little Jack and Coke. Um, and then <laughs> honestly, it's, it's usually, usually to bed pretty early. Actually, we're after dinner, um, we're usually loading footage onto the hard drives, clearing cards, making sure everything's on the charger and stuff for the next day. That, I mean, that is honestly, it, people don't realize how time consuming that is. That's a couple hours worth of work after the hunt just loading footage making sure it's organized i mean we are very organized with our footage and stuff on all of our hard drives like jay you could come take our hard drive i could say go find a hunt from you know november fifteenth, two 2015 or whatever and you could easily you know find it so we make sure we're very organized with that um and then yeah it's usually to bed fairly early i mean at that point it's usually eleven, twelve o'clock and we got about four and a half hours in the in the rack before we got to get up and do it again. So,
0: <laughs> gotcha. All right, indeed. yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, like I said, our, Dave and I I's obviously we're together, so our our days are roughly the same. I mean, it's it's a lot of when we hunt, you know, five to seven days in a row. It's a lot of a lot of work. I mean, the days are we're hunting all day, and if we're not getting cameras or footage ready in the morning, we're doing it in the afternoon, and and after we have a meal at night, we're we're crashing out because. Cause we're getting up early, but yeah, I mean, the only thing different about my day is, yeah, in the morning, I'm I'm like peeking out the window, like it's got to be raining or something. <laughs> the wind can't be raining. <laughs> the wind like, can't be. are really gonna have to wait this out till like nine in the morning before we go in. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, get yeah. your ass off. So,
3: uh,
1: it's so hard for me to get up in the morning. Once I'm up, I'm like, I'm okay. But for some reason, I just don't want to get out of bed because I feel like I just. Got in bed like three hours prior, which most of the time I actually did. But. <laughs>
0: that might be a problem. All right. There you go. That's All right. awesome. All right. That's g- great answers, guys. It's a, it's, a, it's quite a series of, of answers and questions to drill through without knowing the question in advance. You did a great job.
2: Um, any other questions for these guys, Dusty? yeah I think we about uh covered how they make breakfast and all that stuff, so I think we're good, yeah we definitely covered
1: we covered
0: a lot tonight it was Come really on, good. Doug,
1: so you got <clears throat> uh usually I usually I got like the thick cut bacon and like bagels and everything. We're making big ass breakfast sandwiches, but today was just a simple day simple day it was kind of like a Monday, but it was a Wednesday all right.
0: That's awesome. So where can we find more information about the things you guys are up to as far as like your your Facebook links, you know, Twitter, YouTube, what are the website addresses and links we should go look at if we want more information?
1: Yeah, so the first and first and foremost www.tagandbrag.tv. Tagandbrag.tv we do a weekly episode every Thursday it comes out so tomorrow get on there and check it out. Um, that's that's where we where we promote really a lot I mean we promote all of our content everywhere, but that's where it you can see it first, more or less. Um, our phone app on the iTunes store called Mount if you search tag and brag with a space in between the tag N and the N and the Brag, um, you'll get our, our phone app on the iTunes store. We'd love for you to get on there check it out post your pictures I mean we're trying to get as many people on there as we can so tell your friends the more people the better it is the more interaction that's going to be on there the better pictures that are going to be on there um, and we just we have a lot of cool things coming with that we're gonna have video involved soon we're gonna have an Android piece that we're gonna be developing soon so a lot of cool upcoming things with that um, on Instagram search team tag and brag on Instagram. And that's probably where we interact the most. I think the younger generation now with, you know, it's kind of weaned off of Facebook a little bit and Instagram is kind of where it's at. I mean, we're posting multiple times a day. Yeah. And the link for the phone app is right on our homepage on, on Instagram, on Instagram as well. Um, and then Facebook, it's just uh tag and brag, search tag and brag. And you can find us on Facebook. We launch and we air all of our episodes on Facebook as well. They don't air till the weekend. Um, you know, after that Thursday, but we do air each of our episodes on Facebook. I mean, we're getting like five to 10,000 views per episode, which is kind of crazy and overwhelming for us to even think about right now. Not probably not a huge number for a lot of, a lot of people, but for us, um, you know, it's, it's steadily rising and it's, it's pretty cool. It's fun to watch. And for some behind-the-scenes action and entertainment, Snapchat, oh, tag and for brag. Sure, that's probably what we've had the most fun with over the last like two or three months. Yeah, Snapchat. Team tag. Yeah. Search team tag and brag on Snapchat, and I guarantee you, you'll get some laughs. You'll you'll be entertained.
0: All right, now this is the this is the app that like teenagers were sharing body parts with each other, right, for like ten seconds. This is the 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 app that you're now <laughs> engaging in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't share body parts, but we share a lot of things on there. We don't <laughs> hold much back on Snapchat.
0: But de- definitely, the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff happens on Snapchat. Yeah. When I get it. all right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you'll you'll see us right in our office. I mean, you know, in the woods, um, you know, setting up, whatever, I and mean, wherever we are that day, you're going to see us all live. So. Pretty, pretty cool. Awesome, man. Yep,
0: guys, it's been fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure. Kind of getting caught up with all the things you've been up to over the last year and a half, and it's always a, always a pleasure to talk to you. And you, you're energetic, and like we can feed off of that energy. It uh, must be what you had for breakfast, and uh, Dean. You know, <laughs> even though you probably slept in, Dean, uh, you can tell you're. You know, <laughs> This,
1: this thing, The nighttime. Bacon this morning. <laughs> uh,
0: you guys, are definitely great. It's uh, it's always a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again, but not a year and a half later. Maybe maybe like you know a few months later.
1: No, yeah, I hope That's so. Great. I hope so. Tell Sean and Mike from Heartland Bowhunter we want to do like a battle or rap battle or something on the show. Combo combo platter tag and brag Heartland Bowhunter. We're challenging them.
0: Right now, <laughs> a rap a rap session challenge is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not scared of anything. I'm not, maybe you could throw a beat, you yeah. can throw a beat out. There. I don't. I know Dusty could throw the beat out for us.
2: Yo, <laughs> yo, 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 yo. There you go. Yes, good, good steady beat, Dusty. I like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, point. we're gonna need something better than that.
0: Well, guys, hey, thanks again, man. It's been great. Great show. Loved all the detail. Everything was fantastic. So just uh, you had me me on the edge of my seat. It was great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you guys very much for having us on. We appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's awesome. I
0: dare say, Dusty, that we've watched a progression here in the skill set of a hunter. Or hunters in this case
2: yeah no doubt about it Jay going from a couple of years ago when we first talked to uh, Dean and Dave Gizzo they uh, they've come a long way as far as you know the maturity levels uh, getting becoming more developed and you're seeing it in their skill set and uh, their attitude towards what they want to do with life is uh, man their drive is just that much more stronger now it's pretty amazing Jay. It's it's awesome.
0: It's nice to see somebody kind of take a dream and, and keep progressing and not giving in to the challenges. And and actually, I, I hear a different voice in them this year than we did a couple years ago. It's like they've grown up a little bit. And I'm not sure why that is exactly, other than that they've got a couple more years under their belt. Kind of fascinating.
2: Yeah, it is. It's very fascinating. You Took the words right out of my mouth. I was getting ready to say it. it's uh, fascinating how progression shows itself. Dusty, do we have a, a Chubby Tines Tip of the Week coming our way this week? Yeah, Chubby Tines Tip of the Week is. The
0: Chubby Tines Tip of the Week is sponsored by Morse's Sporting Goods. Firearms, use firearms. Bows, use bows. Located at 85 Kentucky Falls Road in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444,
2: morse'ssportinggoods.com.
0: Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax.
2: Morse's Sporting Goods. You know, it's a mental game, Jay. If if you if you let failure get in your mind, and you let not seeing deer, not getting a shot off on the deer that you did see, deer not showing up on your camera, the winds not working right, it, it all plays a mental role in your hunting game. You got to override that. You, you got to be able to keep yourself together when the mental stages start taking over. So you know, let, let's let's think about this coming year and and what happened in the previous year. And how the mental aspect played a role in, in your hunting strategies, success, and, and your routine daily going to the woods activity. You know, the mental game is something that you can work on throughout the whole summer to prep for this fall hunting season to come. And uh, it, it not only is something that you can prep for, but you can change the way your mind is going to be set before you hit the woods this fall. If you struggled with uh, failure or, or things not working right last year, this year, focus on what mistakes happened and, and try to correct everything. You're not going to fix all of it, but I think that you can ease that mental pressure throughout the summer with a little th- thought process and, and, and making the right moves and doing the right things to set up your, your hunting area and, and, and get that mental game where it's 110% versus fighting it you know you don't want to be fighting your mental challenge it's a struggle it'll mess with your mind work on your mental game this summer and and get yourself focused on on what you need to do and what needs to be done to make it uh a little easier on the mind this fall gotcha man
0: that's awesome i think that might be your the best chubby tines tip of the week we've ever ever had
2: you've been thinking about this stuff yeah you know it's just stuff that uh uh, I'm no pro by far, Jay, but there's just a lot of things that play a role in in my success in the whitetail woods. And like I said, by far, no, no category of being a pro hunter, but man, if I can pass something along that uh, may take somebody else's hunt to the next level, I'm going to tell you. That's awesome, man. I, I like it when you, when you go deep,
0: deep in the head, that's good. And that's, uh, that's awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for putting that together. Thanks to uh, Jim Morris over at Morris's Sporting Goods for sponsoring the chubby tines tip of the week man this has been a fantastic show it's always good to hear from tag and brag those guys are fantastic they they, i just feel like they're on they're kind of in the right direction going in to higher levels with everything they're trying to accomplish in their business as professional hunters and i think there's far more stories to come from them down the road just yeah, awesome you. stuff. We've got some great shows coming up, by the way. we've uh, Next week is going to be Chad Eubanks. And this, this might be a bit of a controversial show that we're touching on because we're going to be talking about high fence hunting. And Chad is uh, from Louisiana, and he has hunted public land. He's hunted private leased land in Louisiana. Uh, he's also hunted high fence grounds. And he is actually basically has now said that he prefers the high fence stuff. And it's not so much that it keeps the deer in or makes it necessarily any easier than it would be on a very highly managed area uh, that's on lease land or private land, for example. He likes it because it keeps the poachers and the other hunters out. And I can kind of see that. There's no competition where you've been working a particular area, trying to get the buck that you've you know is there, and then you know a poacher comes along and shoots it out, or maybe the the neighboring hunter goes out for a day and kills the deer you've been waiting for for five years.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be a show you don't want to miss, and it, it may change your mindset a little bit about high fence hunting. Absolutely, and then after that, it's the one and only
0: Michael Pitts is on the show with us. The one and only Michael Pitts, now, if you don't know who Michael Pitts is, Michael is the guy that is part of the real tree gang hangs out with Michael Waddell, Nick Munt, and travis T bone Turner and he's been basically given the assignment to to um heckle them in a sense by interviewing them about all their little uh, idiosyncrasies that. Michael thinks is funny, so we've got Michael coming up, and he's been on some other podcasts just recently, but he did a very interesting video with the a- at the ATA with these guys, just absolutely hilarious video, so we've got Michael Pitts coming up, so that's what's, uh, that's what's on the headline for the next couple shows, and Dusty, where can we find you when you're not hanging out in the Big Buck
2: podcast studios with me? I tell you what, you're going to find me more often live on the Big Buck Registry on Facebook. That's for sure. That's true. Look look me up, facebook.com forward slash chubbytinesoutdoors. You can shoot me an email right here, dusty at bigbuckregistry.com. And uh, if you want to get a little more into my personal life and uh, you're on Instagram, shoot me over a follow at chasingantler. Jay, where can the people reach out to you? When you're not on the mic. Well, you can. Uh, and, and by the way, I
0: did see your live video that you did the other day on Facebook. That was very good. We were talking about the Eurohanger, and you showed everybody your podcast studio, so I thought that was neat. But, yes, you're absolutely right. We are going to be doing some more live video feeds for our Facebook uh, account because we can do that now. I guess it's brand new as of, like, December, and nobody knew about it for a few months. So this is, like, brand, brand new to compete with Periscope and those things. Now with our audience where all of our fans hang out, the quarter of a million fans, now we can go live with them wherever we are, wherever we might be hanging out. Near, Maybe it's a in the woods. Maybe it's hunting. Maybe it's in the studios. Maybe it's at a show where there's 200 beautiful, you know, 150-inch-plus bucks hanging on the wall. So it's going to be just an epic Addition to our already very strong Facebook page, so I'm looking forward to that. But if you'd like to reach out to me, I'm Jay at BigBuckRegistry.com. That's my email address. Facebook very simple facebook.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry. If you'd like to submit a buck to that page, all you have to do is go to BigBuckRegistry.com forward slash my buck. We're also on Twitter twitter.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry. We're on Instagram, which is BigBuckRegistry.com forward slash Instagram. Please, if you're using an Apple device, please uh, go and do a review for this show. We need the feedback. I don't care if it's a three-star, four-star, five-star, whatever it is. I want to hear from you because that's the only way we make this show better. We want to make it better for you, the listener. And if uh, you are on an Apple device, please hit the subscribe button so you can get the automatic notifications from us to say that there's a new show available for download for you to listen to uh, every time they come out usually it's Saturday morning in fact we've been on that schedule for quite a long time so you just check sc- Saturday morning or you can have set your phone to notify you other than that uh, if you' like this show enough where you have a couple extra bucks and you'd like to be a, become a patron of this show all you have to do is go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash donate and you'll see different levels of donations, anywhere from a dollar to a $25 level. And at each level, you'll get a new something like a, a, a coffee mug or a coffee mug and a t shirt, all that kind of thing. So check that out, uh, bigbuckregistry.com forward slash donate. Other than that, man, I think that is a show. And I can't thank you enough for tuning in to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm Dusty Phillips. And I'm Jay Scott. And this is the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. We'll see you next week. Can't wait.